Hello all, this is Blonde Haired Girl and I am doing this podcast on an idea that I've been thinking about for quite a while. The fine line between putting it simply mysticism and mental illness or creativity or just the human condition and mental illness. Basically, the bigger theme that I am attempting to grapple with (laughs) is the idea that people who are out of the norm in their thinking just they're just labeled mentally ill or crazy. Crazy is more of a, you know, maybe easier term to deal with. Oh, well, she's just crazy. Not that she's mentally ill. Being mentally ill might be harder to <laughs> to grapple, to like actually contextualize for a person. But, um, and I've been hearing it a little bit more just in the mainstream where people are starting to come out you know, with their, and I say quotes, mental illnesses and talking about them a little more openly, um, about anxiety, bipolar, you know, just different life coping mechanisms, I suppose, um, that become, I'm trying to think of the word, like, become a pathology, become a, um, would go into the DSM-5 now. I studied psychology for, I had taken courses, three years of college on top of my bachelor's degree to become a licensed professional counselor. And I had taken courses and studied the DSM, what was the DSM-4, but is now the DSM-5. And I, it's been, it was really, really interesting, even when I was studying it. And I remember our professor, like, just really oftentimes talking to us about not always being so self-reflective because we would end up having every illness. (laughs) We would, um, we would, oh yeah, I have characteristics of this. Oh yeah, I have characteristics of that. Sort of like my last podcast about the power of suggestion and, you know, do I have this virus or do I not have this virus and when people are talking about it all the time it is really challenging to to not allow our brains to just run away with it (laughs) these thoughts (laughs) but one of the things that and and I and I kind of understand what they're talking about with when something really, really interferes with someone's life. It's sort of like, you know, the varying degrees of having 
of drinking, you know, like I remember in one of my courses, she asked the question, okay, if somebody has a glass, uh, a glass of wine every day with dinner, is that alcoholism? And she asked us to raise our hands <clears throat> and no, I don't think anybody raised their hands with one. And then she asked, okay, if somebody has a glass of wine, two glasses of wine every day with dinner, does that characterize them as an alcoholic? And more people started to raise their hands. And then some, then she said, what about three glasses of wine? And that was pretty much my limit. I, I was thinking three glasses of wine. Mm, Yeah. Um, but it, it all sort of depends on how it interferes with our life. And I have been a person who has, has, I drink alcohol, not every day, but I have, you know, in all kinds, like I enjoy Jaeger and I like martinis and I don't drink wine quite as much. Like lately I've been really, really into hard kombucha. I absolutely love hard kombucha. Um, But I remember when I was younger and I was going through a divorce, I remember, and money was really, really tight. And I, it was really, really a marker for me personally. If money was tight and I was willing to use my money for alcohol instead of food for my children. And so I wouldn't buy the alcohol. I just wouldn't. Um, And I know that this has been kind of a complaint in marriages, you know, where somebody smokes and they, you know, the money is tight, but they always find money somehow to buy their cigarettes. And so... I understand when it interferes with our life. I I have a child, one of my children for a period of time was really, really having a hard time with OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And it was really interfering with his life. He was asking me to pick him up from school and he was going home and he was doing these water rituals for hours a day, on and off, on and off with the water. And he really felt like something horrible was going to happen if he didn't do it. And so when I see something that is over the top, I I sort of can see the difference between, you know, generally I feel like a lot of us, when we leave the house, we have the question, oh my gosh, did I turn off the stove? Did I turn off the coffee maker? Did I you know, which is also kind of an obsessive thing, but it's not interfering with our life. We're not having to drive back 15 times to check to see if, if the stove is on. And so I feel like we, as a species, we have a lot of characteristics that would be in the DSM-4 or DSM-5 now. They've updated it. And 
if we were to really, you know, go through it, we have characteristics of all of these, you know, we've developed coping mechanisms, even as young children. Um, I'm a second grade teacher right now. And I mean, we, even as an infant, we, we develop coping mechanisms for how to get our needs met. I mean, babies cry when they're hungry. (laughs) And, and so, you know, a lot of times what I see is, is that a lot of times we just get socialized into being able to cope better you know, than say a toddler who doesn't get what he wants and has a tantrum. But I see adults doing the same things. We just do it in a different way. <laughs> or maybe not as loudly, or maybe when we get in the car, we we found that we don't fare very well in life when we just have a temper tantrum in the middle of a grocery store. You know, that's not socially acceptable. So, so <laughs> but what was more upsetting to me with regard to like seeing these, these very, very creative, amazing individuals sharing their stories of these like mental illnesses, like even say bipolar Um, is that like and I guess the stigma must be getting better I don't know I don't know the stigma must be getting better but it's not to the degree that I would like like I that I feel is really really productive and also just labeling everyone, just label, you know, like children today get labeled, um, um, attention deficit disorder. I mean, not even just children, adults as well. Um, you know, if they can't stay in their seat, um, which, you know, as a teacher, it has really been a fine line for me. I, I have some students that really have a hard time, but I almost understand it's like their nervous system at their age they're like seven to eight years old and it really is kind of unnatural to expect a seven to eight year old to sit in a chair for periods of time and while I don't have that expectation like we do a lot of activities um, where we're getting up like motor activities where we're getting up and doing things physically but Sometimes I do need them to sit and, you know, write or, or listen to a lesson or listen to a story. And some of my students, they just have a really hard time sitting. But I, and so, but I actually, in some ways, like, embrace the diversity, the diversity of, I embrace and understand them not being able to stay in their seat. And and then in addition to not putting a pathology on it. And 
because a lot of times these children are incredibly creative. They're, they've got a lot going on in their body and in their mind. They have all of these ideas. They have all of these ideas. They're very, very creative. So sometimes I think it's better if I just allow them to doodle during a lesson. I mean, if they can listen and doodle at the same time, you know, like a fidget spinner or um, them being able to knit and listen or doodle or, you know, and I found some success in my classroom with some of my students with that. What I've been thinking about most recently, along with this idea of the over-diagnosing of us as people is that, that generally people who are out of the norm get deemed crazy. Like, for example, you know, I had been listening to a YouTube about David Icke, and David Icke was talking about when he went through these experiences, he went through an experience that was out of the norm and paranormal. It was, it was really, really a strange experience. And he came back, changed, and he was ostracized and deemed crazy by the people in his community. Then you've got Jim Carrey, who had the same type of thing happen to him. Um, I've watched some YouTubes about that, how he had this life-changing experience, and then the community just, you know, really went crazy on him, just that he was is he crazy or enlightened? This was the, the talk, you know. I haven't seen him in any movies recently. I mean, I think he is doing some, some, like, shows on, you know, I don't know, maybe through Netflix or, I don't know. But anyway, they just get deemed crazy. And here's another scenario you, as a wife or even a husband, it can go either way, but a wife, I just know this from my standpoint, you know, sometimes when we are put in situations or we have a situation come upon us and we don't react well to it, and I have to say, I don't think that everyone reacts perfectly to every situation in their life. And they react very badly, and then they get deemed crazy. You know, they go into their coping mechanism, whatever that mechanism is, and they're not acting normal, and so they're crazy. And... <laughs> And there really isn't like talk about what happened before, you know, 
the person had the reaction. I'm not talking about what brought on the reaction. And a lot of times, you know, I feel like that that aspect is not addressed. It's just all lights are on the person who's not acting right. They're not acting right. Hmm. They must be crazy. And so I I've shared so much in my in my podcasts and my YouTubes about my my you know journey over the last 2 years and I've been having some things come up that have been like kind of propelling me straight back to when I had this change in my brain I just in my perception I mean I I just and I was changed and I was different and I viewed the world differently. And when this first happened, it was very, 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 very challenging for me to function in the world. I I was having a really hard time sitting. I was having a hard time focusing. I had been through, I mean, on top of the change I had been through a a a actual divorce I mean a full stop like it wasn't just a separation it wasn't a boyfriend this was somebody I was married to that I loved very much and I was really propelled into what the diagnostic manual might you know, categorized as post-traumatic stress. And what it had done was it had like triggered all of the trauma through my life. And so I was, I was having a really hard time like functioning. I mean, it was, it was really, really, really a challenging time. And I wasn't acting normal normally I, and I wasn't acting normally at all but on top of it all I was having these synchronicities <clears throat> that other people were viewing as a pathology the people around me were did not accept that I was having a this mysticism that I was having these synchronicities that I had had this change, they weren't accepting that aspect or that explanation of my behavior. And they went straight to that I was crazy. And it was really painful because I had lived in my community, you know, for 20 years and, and my family, I mean, my family just, my children really kind of came around pretty quickly because they were around me the most. And so they could tell that I was, I was still me. And, but the people like my family just, and, and here's the other thing that I really found astounding was the unkindness 
I mean, if you really, really believe that someone is mentally ill, it would be nice to ask them how they're doing. It would be nice to inquire, you know, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? Would you like to have coffee? But instead, the unkindness of my community and in addition, my family. Um, in the sense that I was not behaving properly and I wasn't, um, you know, so it was this, and also just my, my, my experience was so out of the norm for them and their belief system that, um, there were things that were said that were just incredibly, but anyway, <laughs> and so here's, here's another aspect of it was, and David Ike talked about this. So he, he comes back from this life-changing experience. He gets ostracized and then he decides, I don't care what other people think. Since they're already going to think you're crazy, it doesn't matter what they think. And that is what happened to me as well. I had to not care what they thought. And trusting God, just really put my trust in God that, and it really, really, really doesn't matter. In the end, it doesn't matter. None of it really matters. Only my thoughts about it matter. What has, what has also really, really been helpful to me has been because my experience has started to be so out of the norm. And that summer, I could not, I could not. So much information was coming at me at the same time that I couldn't sift through it. I really couldn't, I couldn't sift through it and see what was right. I, I didn't know what to, what trail to go. I mean, it was thoroughly and just, and I'm still not entirely sure what had happened, which has been another thing that I have reached out to different people to try to people that I feel like might have some understanding to try to sit down and like, okay, what did transpire? What was this? I'm, and I, I continue to have synchronicity every day and my brain is still changed, but it doesn't have the same, um, the same, it's not as, as, as if I'd been hit over the head with a frying pan. <laughs> and and I've thought about it, like maybe the synchronicities just slowed down, which was a good thing. Um, but also maybe I just got used to it. I got used to living in this different paradigm and, and I, you know, so I'm used to it. Um, Um, and I lost my train of thought, which happens for me quite a bit. Um, I was talking, oh yes. And so I get, sometimes I get these, these wonderful 
wonderful like in feed like input um from other people like when I went and and listened to David Ike's story and it was so similar to mine I was so happy I was so happy and and then I get a lot of peace from listening to the testimonials of Dr. Dispenza I when I listen to these testimonials and the experiences that people have when they are at his conferences, I get really, really happy <laughs> because other people are having these these mystical experiences as well. And and it's not just me and I don't feel so alone. And <laughs> the other thing is that People that attend his conferences, some of them, they're actually able to show x-rays of the change in their body. And you can't really argue with an x-ray, right? <clears throat> and so sometimes I have to remind myself and go back through, through the inventory of how things went down because... It, a lot of these things were outside of myself. Like some people had a theory that somebody was like really messing with my phone. Somebody's messing with your phone. You know, um, that's, that's the only explanation for why this is happening. And, but so many of the, of the synchronicities had nothing to do with my phone. They were, they weren't in my phone. They were outside of of any computer or any access to the internet whatsoever and so i knew i knew without a shadow of a doubt that it that it wasn't not that people haven't been messing with our phones i'll i'll say that that's true but the synchronicities that i'm talking about or the majority of them were it was just something else <laughs> And <laughs> there have been times and there are more times than not at this point where I feel really happy. Where I feel really happy, I feel really joyful. I feel like um, that my life is really, really going well. There are still times where I, you know, fall out of that and, you know, have moments of anxiety or sadness or whatever. Um, but I had, I had studied the works of David Hawkins, who wrote um, Power Versus Force and The Eye of the Eye and I which is a one of his trilogies. He wrote a number of books and I have I to my knowledge I have every single one of them. I was a pretty devout follower of his. I studied like one of his books for 5 years. I just had to read it over and over again because what he wrote about was so out of the norm that I couldn't understand it, but I understand it now 
but one of the things that that has been you know which none of it really matters but I wish that I had come to this through joy instead of through trauma and you can't redo the past but I can make a choice in the future to just choose joy somehow but that it's not a straight path it's not like every single day every single moment is bliss and i i i i listen to abraham hicks quite a bit i listen to a lot of her youtubes and Lately, a theme that's been coming up is that is to em- embrace what they call the contrast, to embrace the things in our lives that, that happen that cause us to have a desire for more, which is growth, which is moving more in the direction of us just having happy lives and so and she even talks about contrast I listened to a YouTube yesterday about contrast in relationships that embracing that the other has different thoughts that the other has different desires embracing it and that we're not both going to be in what they call alignment in the vortex, as they put it, um, at the same time. That sometimes, you know, our loved ones come home and they're not in the vortex. <laughs> we're in the vortex and they're not in the vortex. And us resenting them for pulling us out of the vortex. And I so get this. I so get this, you know. When I when I feel like I'm I'm in the vortex and then something happens, I it has been has in the past been very challenging me for me to, like how did I create that? How did I create that? And how do I stay in the vortex when I'm surrounded? buy things that are that would be not in alignment with well-being and so right now we're in a pandemic on the planet and I just feel like we are we can be bombarded by what seems to be a lack of well-being just all around us you know um and listening to the news which i really generally have not been i have not been listening to the news um but um we could easily be knocked out of our happy place during this time but i've been using it as an opportunity i see it as an incredible opportunity to practice something that I have wished for for a very long time. And I love what I do right now, along with 
my projects, my blonde haired girl projects. I am a second grade teacher and I've gone to an um, a virtual classroom and I've been setting it up and been creating lessons and learning how to Zoom. It, it's been a bit of a learning curve for me, but I actually enjoy it. I love the creativity of it. And being able to see my students' faces on the screen was just such a treat. <laughs> they're just like, they're so cute. The These students are adorable. Um, but I've been using it as a, to just really slow down. I mean, even if you took off the commute, the commute to and from work, like for me, it's not that much, maybe 15, 20 minutes. But it's 15 to 20 minutes of not having to rush, not having to get up to rush, not having to to rush through my day. I mean, we can can take this time to do things with more intentionality, to our, our homes could be cleaner, <laughs> having more time to clean, doing that thing that we didn't think we could do because we were, we were too busy with our occupation to do it. And so that's what I've been doing. I've been, um, and trying to find other ways to, to, assist with this the administration at the school I'm working at in the back because they have a lot going on I mean having to find how to navigate this everything going to remote learning is just really really challenging and so trying to take some of that off of their plate and and, and fill in that gap in our community um, has been really, really been on my mind. And I've been, <laughs> I guess you could say in some ways, I, it's really, I don't consider it obsessing, but I, I tend to be really a, I would have never thought this in the past, but it's like a sort of, like it, it all kind of expands and the into a bigger picture like this could be an opportunity for our school to really get on the map for to get exposure in the community if we were to really start doing more Facebook and Instagram and social media um, to get the school you know because it's a very, very special school, the school that I work at. It's an alternative school, and it is, it is, I believe, an amazing way to teach children and young people and through art and music and on handwork. Um, it's just an amazing program. I also, we paint, we do beeswax, we... Um, and so I've really, really deviated from <laughs> my original topic. 
that I really, really had to give up what other people think of me. But there, but I can kind of see, like I've been kind of, I've, things have kind of come on my, uh, into my awareness of where I could see their point of view. I could see their point of view. However, I'm not entirely sure what I would do if it if my friend had gone through the experience that I've gone through and um and I think that I would be a little more understanding and not just go straight to this person is crazy Because, but then I I really have come to a place where generally speaking I, I, I it doesn't really matter to me, and I, I <clears throat> have lived into myself and my life purpose and and I have lost a lot. I've lost a lot of people. I have a very small group, but it's a very very nice, wonderful group of people and. Um, and I can't undo what has been done. I can't undo the fact that I'm, that I'm either different or I lived into who I was. I know that there was an aspect of me that stayed in a, like stayed hidden because of exactly how it went down. Because, and maybe I created that. If we are the creators of our reality, maybe my fear brought that on. But it doesn't matter in a sense, but I my my grouping is very small and I'm and I'm learning every single day to master the art of creating a beautiful life. And that's, that's just where it's at. (laughs) Anyway, I thank you for listening and I will be back with more ideas.